And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 134 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I'm Brian. And that's it. That's it. It's just us. Once again. Yes, that's right. How is Brian? Uh, Brian had a little, kind of a rough week, but that's all right. We're, we're, I'm sorry. We're here. We're good. Yeah, just uh, family stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Happens to everybody. <laughs> it does. Yeah. You know what I liked this week, though? What oh, was that? I liked comic books. Comics are good. Comics are good. Well, do we want to just jump right in and talk about comics then? Let's do it. Okay. Let's start with Avengers number 10, the 700th issue of the Avengers. Wow, this was a, uh, in addition to being a big book, it was a big book. <laughs> and it's in, a lot of stuff happened. Yes. So, I read this thing, like, the other night while I was having trouble sleeping, I got up for a while and read some comics, and then I wound up going back to bed. And I was, like, really excited about this one thing that happened in this book. And I went back to go look at it again and realized I had dreamed it after reading this book and it didn't <laughs> actually happen. Alex. It was this really cool thing with, like, a murder mystery around one of the original Guardians of the Galaxy from that future team. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, um, <laughs> I, I like, I'm trying to figure out where to dig into this thing. Um, well, let's start with, uh, let's start with what you were saying before we recorded. You, you always are down for. Well, I, I do, I do love every time the big Russian, drunk Russian bear shows up. Yes. Yeah. Or some major. Um, yeah, I mean, like. You heard I, it here first. Brian <laughs> is a fan of Russian bears. Oh, no. See, I knew, I knew that was going to happen. No. <laughs> I mean, yes, but no. Um, so the Russian government uh, is putting together its own super team. Yes. And there's a lot of usual suspects in it. Uh, you get uh, Dark Star Crimson Vanguard. Dynamo. Yeah, yep. Crimson Dynamo. There was one addition that I don't know if I've ever seen before. The Red Widow? Red Widow. Have you ever seen Red Widow? I have not seen Red Widow, and I saw something on Twitter earlier this week that makes me think there was a previous Red Widow, mm -hmm. but I haven't actually had a chance to go back and look that up and investigate into it. So maybe I'll just try to do that right here, right now, on the air, and make future Alex's job editing this all the more difficult. Excellent for you, sir. Um, yeah. But yeah, Red Widow is described as the newest product of, obviously, of the Red Room, right? Uh, analogous to, uh, I, I'm, she reads a little bit like the new Black Widow, but much more, um, if you can, if you can, much more ninja-y, stealthy, think, like, D&D &D rogue type, even more than spy, more assassin. So that's the, that's the Russian team, and there's a specific reason that they're put together, and that's because we saw from the last issue of Avengers, 
that Namor has essentially declared all of the oceans off limits to everyone except people from the ocean um, and has put together his own group, uh, the Defenders of the Deep, to, uh, to enforce that message. And they attack a kind of an international uh, research station that's out on the ocean. And I guess real quick we can run through. So the Defenders of the Deep are uh, Andromeda, uh, Man of War, uh, Echidna, the Piranhas, Blood Tide, Tiger Shark, Orca, uh, King Crab, and of course, Namor. And, and the, they're just a delightful bunch. Yeah, they're, they're a whole lot of fun. And the Avengers get called in. And so they show up and start trying to talk to Namor and with very limited success. And then the Russian team shows up. And of course, then it's just a three-way free-for-all. Uh, there is a previously extant Red Widow, by the way. Okay. Ava Orlova, who I want to say might have been the basis for that character on uh, Peggy Carter. Oh, okay. That would make sense. But I don't think she's been particularly widely used. I do appreciate that the Marvel Wiki uh, entry for her under swordsmanship lists Ava has taken fencing lessons at the YMCA. Well, there you go. How about that? I do, um, <laughs> I did like, uh, Namor being his normal overbearing self, and then Cap just giving him a big shield to the face. Yes. <laughs> that was kind of nice. More Namor punching. Always with Namor punching. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, I guess I did forget to mention, they, so that was kind of in the beginning of the book, was that, that part of the team. I guess they also do add, uh, Vostok, which is basically a Russian vision. Uh, yeah. Perrin. And um, uh, Chernabog, who are two kind of Russian god-type people like Hercules or Thor. I love the sass about having two gods on the team yes. and the problem that that creates. I, I was going to bring... Yeah, Tony says something. Oh, you went with two. You, you went with a two-god? You never go with a two-god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which clearly has to be the whole Thor-Hercules thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. And after all of the brouhaha, when everything finally settles down, we see an angry Thaddeus Ross. Yes. Who needs an American answer to the Avengers, since the Avengers are definitely not operating on American soil and have made clear they're not going to be just an arm of the American government. Correct. And the... U.S. government and the Russian government, for that matter, are both viewing the fact that uh, Black Panther is is the chairman. Was yeah. you know they all elected him chairman of the Avengers, as they're ta they're all reading that as the Avengers are going to be an arm of Wakanda, which right. is not what the Avengers are doing, but that's how it's all being perceived. Yeah. Yeah. And as a result, we get the, uh, oh, what is the name of the team? The Squadron Supreme of America. Yep. And it In is, other words, it is the, the most, American government's off-brand Justice League. It is the most Justice League-looking pose picture right there of, that could ever be. I, I, like, I can't imagine this was not like a, a return fire for the Terrifics. I mean, I mean, I the... don't think it was. I meant, I meant just the like 
posing them this way and making yeah. it like that. Like, yes, because I mean, oh my god, like that is the most Wonder Woman looking pose and drawing. <laughs> Superman oh, I mean, in the middle. All of them, you can yeah, yes. make, a, make a comparison. Between. Oh yeah, Black Knight. You've got he's got the he's got the uh, the visor that come up and they look just like bat ears coming up, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, this is gonna be fun. And who's uh, who's leading so. that? Who put that team together, Alex? Uh, one Philip J. Coulson, mm, Agent Coulson. But we thought he was dead. <laughs> he got better again. <laughs> I mean, look, what does Coulson do? <laughs> Survives, yes. Inexplicably, not die. Oh, this is true. In related news, Agents of Shield was greenlit for a seventh season this week. Oh, how about that? Despite the sixth season not having aired yet, and no one really knowing whether or not this season will re- will find a way to keep Coulson from dying again, or just lean into the fact that he is supposed to die. Hmm. Guess we'll find out. I suppose uh, so. So after that was the main story, then we have a, a backup story, which is Odin and Ghost Rider. <laughs> I think this might have been my favorite part. This was pretty pretty outstanding. Yeah, so this is, uh, if you read Marvel Legacy, um, there was the whole series of scenes with Ghost Rider fighting Starbrand, right? Yes. Like, Starbrand kind of freaked out and went crazy and attacked Ghost Rider, and yeah. Ghost Rider, in, you know, in defending himself, kind of allowed Starbrand to kill themselves, essentially. Right. Is yeah, uh, and Odin blames Ghost Rider for that, and so comes after him. Very drunk Odin. Oh, oh yes, oh yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like this is an angry old man starting a bar fight. Uh, that's exactly what it is. Yes. Um, but then after, of course, them talking it through a little bit, and Ghost Rider learning actually more about the history of the Avengers, and specifically Ghost Rider and Starbrand, right? They end up kind of becoming pals, and uh, he's like, yeah, we should do this more often because I want to learn more about and hear more of these stories. <laughs> <laughs> Which was pretty pretty great. Yeah. So we now have, uh, we now have Ghost Rider Odin, Buddy Cop. <laughs> yes, I am all about that, too. <sighs> and then uh, and then we have Loki and the assist that he gets in escaping from the Celestials. Mm, yes, indeed, someone comes to free him from the Celestials, and um, I, it's not the person I was expecting. But given the recent stories that have appeared in this book, I shouldn't be surprised, huh? Yeah. Um, or actually, more specifically. Yeah, it's specifically the stories that have appeared in Thor, I guess, right? Well, Thor, and you also had, you've seen a couple of times now in uh, different places, Wolverine and Loki kind of cross paths and then go on about their separate ways. Yeah. Like, I think you got some of that in Legacy, and I know there's been some of that Infinity Countdown. Yes. Okay. Uh, But, um, yeah. Phoenix Wolverine. Yes. And uh I guess that's how you uh fool celestials. <laughs> I love the fact that Apparently. It was, 
I love the fact that it was Logan that did that and not Loki, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, Loki had no clue what was going on. All right, so they did the whole, uh, the whole rotate the page, put the whole book in big portrait mode. How'd you feel about that? It was brief enough that it did not drive me crazy. Yeah, it was really just these about four pages. That said, yeah. the only thing that makes having to rotate the book more irritating is trying to read on a tablet with the orientation rotating <laughs> while you try to read it. So when you change the tablet, the tablet rotates it, and then you have to like... So essentially you have to turn your head sideways to read it. Uh, you have yeah. to, or if you're me, you lay down with it over your face and just move slowly <laughs> enough that the gyroscope doesn't pick it up. Okay. Or lay it Understood. flat on the table and do the same thing. Alright. Yeah. And then, uh, we have one last four-page little fo follow that we have here, and, uh, we're, uh, we do a little following of, uh, Miss Janet Van Dyne. That's right. And uh, she is infiltrating a, uh, a castle in Transylvania. And yeah. who is she going after? Uh, Blade. Blade. Yeah. Yeah, she's, I was uh, really trying to see if I could work in a Castlevania what is a man joke, but you really didn't leave me any room there. Yeah. So, Blade. Yeah. I do I'll, I'll, I do like how she invites him, though. Hey, Blade, how'd you like to join the Avengers? And he's, like, tight chained up to the wall. Get me my swords. Good answer. <laughs> That's it. I mean, he does have to be invited in. But exactly. That was... There you go. Perfectly. Yeah. Um, Wow. Uh, and then there's the uh, teaser cover for the next issue, which I just can't. I'm almost I'm almost Tony in this one. I can't. I don't know if I can take this. It's hilarious. I don't I don't think I remember what the teaser cover was. It's uh it, it's it's Jennifer and Thor. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know what? I'm actually kind of okay with those with that pairing, at least for a peer, for a while, right? But Hulk it just... smash! <laughs> oh, baby, <laughs> my goodness! Uh, it, uh. It, 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 if we worked at it, I think it could be the new Hawkman Jr. <laughs> joke for a long time. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Just... I feel like this one's too easy. You're almost right. You're almost right. Yeah. I mean, it's not easy being green, but this might be too easy. Moving on. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, but Fantastic Avengers number 10. Four. Oh, oh, I was, yeah. uh, yes. Sorry, we okay. stepped over each other a little there. Yeah, Fantastic Four, number three. Yes. Uh, so, hey, hey, the gang's all here. And it is, in fact, the whole gang. I was going to say The Gang Plus, all of them, yeah. I love this book so very much. I do too. Um, there's uh, there's nothing, so there's probably, you know, kind of two or three different threads through this story. Yeah. Um, which are all kind of going on at the same time. Um, yeah. But I, I liked all of them. There was none of them yeah. that I didn't like, so. I mean, the whole issue is basically one crazy battle with these little character moments happening yes, throughout it, and then just jumping in 
for those moments. What I really like about this, and this should not be surprising with it being Dan Slott, is just how much, even already, he's relying on not just explicit history, things like the relationship between Ben and the Moloids that were set up in Hickman's run. Right. But, like, implicit things, things like that whole run, as well as Hickman's Avengers, New Avengers run, like, centered around this idea that everything dies, and after spending years traveling the multiverse building things, Reed can't accept that anymore. Right. Like, what we what has happened off-page, essentially, what we saw a little bit of in number two, has changed him in this fundamental way that is, no, I'm back to solve everything. It has to be done. It has to be possible. Mm-hmm. And the villain for this is like the embodiment of everything dies. Yes, it is the embodiment of entropy and decay and destruction. Yes. Yeah. And the solution to at least for now winning the battle against her is like, okay, what can we imagine that she as a being of decay can't? And that is rebuilding, that is repairing. That is cre- fixing creating, things right? that are broken. Yep. yep. And, and I like how, that. I like that a yeah. lot. And then how can we use that? And then, you, like you said, you get these character moments. You get the you get the Ben and Johnny, you know, seeing the kids again, right? Mm-hmm. Which was amazing. Um, yeah. My favorite, my favorite little character thing, I think, was Peter coming in with, "Well, you've got the greatest power, and that means," and Ben is just not having it. That that was that that was my quote of the week, actually. Oh, was it really? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, Spike Franklin is kind of freaked out by the responsibility because he has to go back up against this this being to distract yeah. them, right? This embodiment, right? And uh, yeah. <laughs> and they're trying to kind of work him up. Peter's like, "Hey, let me let me talk to him for a minute. Remember, I, I know you get scared, but." But you've got the greatest power of anyone here. With the greatest power also comes the greatest responsibility. And Ben literally just picks him up. He's like still squatting down in his pose. And Ben just picks him up. He's like, nope, not happening. <laughs> not going to happen. Nope, we're not doing that again. <laughs> it was wonderful. The other yeah. the other one that I loved was the whole. So uh, when we said the, everybody's here. So it's literally everybody that has ever been a member of the fantastic four, right. Got summoned. Yes. Right. And Bobby Drake is there. And, <laughs> and Johnny's like, you were never an ex. You were never a member of the fantastic four. How are you here? He was like, yeah, remember that one time when like it was, he was like, no, that did not count. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty wonderful. Yeah. Uh, I love it. So it's you, you do you get these you get these like just little spots of humor like that through yeah. this. Johnny and the Hulk was also very good. Yes, indeed. <laughs> that was uh, I took care of them. Yeah. <laughs> you never saw me. Yeah. Well, I, I'll be honest. I was kind of wondering about the Hulk, right? Because I mean, yeah. we know he was a member. He was like fa- member for a while of the Fantastic Four, right? Yeah. Um, he's a member in this and in his own book, he's dismembered. Exactly. Um, yeah, well, it's funny because they're like, oh yeah, how, how's it going? They're attacking the ship, trying to destroy it. They're like, how's it going attacking the ship? He's like, ah, 
Well, we're not making a big dent in it, man. We sure could use a Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> right? And then Johnny gets inside and sees him. And, of course, Bruce is so doesn't want anyone to know that he's back, right? Yeah. So he's like, don't tell anybody you saw me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, so good. <sighs> Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 312, and Vault of Spiders, number 2, which are our Spider-Geddon books this week. Yeah, so uh, these are both really good. The, the Peter Parker continues the story of his battle with uh, Morloon. Mm-hmm. And Miles shows up to help him out some. And uh, we're that one's not completely finished yet. There's probably, I think, one more issue of that. That's I think that's happen. right, yeah. Um, but uh, Peter uh, Peter starts using his, his head to try to solve this instead of his fists. Cool. I, uh, I enjoy it. And I'm, I'm still loving Jonah in this book right now. Good. Yeah. And then Vault of Spiders is a little three-story anthology. We get more Spiders Man. We do. We get Spiders Man and we get Spider Ma'am, which is uh, yep. Aunt May as Spider Person. And we get uh, George Stacy, Captain Stacy, as the Spider. Yeah. Um, yeah, Spiders Man was my favorite in this. Definitely. Uh, for me, I think it was. It was either Spiders Man or the George Stacy one. Okay. I, yeah, I did like that one. Yeah, but uh, the Spider's Man was just uh, I yeah I liked I liked Gwen Stacy in that one trying to you know because it, yeah. it, it, it was she's that typical but it, it's a comic book surely there's something we can do to it and he's like no just <laughs> you don't even know yeah <laughs> yeah I love it I love it yeah I want I want more Spider's Man in my life me too. You did it again. That's two weeks, I think that's two weeks in a row, Alex. Uh, is that two weeks in a row? That you did not slip into Careless Whispers, yes. Oh. Yes. Yes. True. <laughs> so I, I applaud you for that. that. I, I don't Thank know you. that I could do it without doing that now. So there's, <laughs> there's that. I have to really think about it. <laughs> So we have the first issue of our Matthew Rosenberg, Kelly Thompson, Ed Brisson weekly Spider or Spider Man weekly X Men event, Uncanny X Men. Yeah, and there is some stuff going on here, huh? There's a lot of stuff going on. I was also a little surprised how well this pulled some things from like other things that have been going on. Yeah. Yeah, I do think the funniest thing to me about this, and this is just a goofy editorial thing that's not a big deal. The first page of this is this like enormous cast list yeah. of like thirty characters who are in this book, mm-hmm. and it's probably not even half the characters who are in oh, this yeah. book. Like the first yeah. page has characters who aren't on that cast list. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, it is like just Jamie. Enormous. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. The first one is like uh, I'm looking at like 20 people on this page. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and they are. To be fair, they are all in this book, as yeah. are even more. Yes. Yeah, I have been spotty in my mm-hmm. X Men reading over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I read some of Astonishing 
and I read a little bit of gold and a very little bit of blue. You've read red. And I've read I've read red. Red red, yes. I've read uh New Mutants, which doesn't right. seem to be directly referenced. No, that one in here. that would that's probably the most removed from this, I think. And although I've got to imagine that eventually will come into play. Um because Rosenberg. Right. Um and Multiple Man, which I have to imagine pretty directly features into what's going on here, even if we don't really know how. Right, but yes. There are some, like, consistent elements that run through the whole issue. X-Men power, mutants' powers are just fizzling out. They're not working. Like, even, like, A-listers who have the best control of anyone. Right. It's like, stuff stops working. Yeah. Storm can't control the weather. Exactly. Uh, there are Jamie's Madrix running around. Jamie's Madrix. Or at least Madrix. a Jamie Madrix. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to stave off some kind of attack, but coming across as pretty unhinged in the process, which I don't know if that's just Jamie being Jamie or if he's actually kind of unhinged at this point. Yeah. And... Sometimes you really can't tell with Jamie, can you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we also get this plot with the like Grant Morrison New Mutants kind of lineup. Yes. Uh, who are maybe questioning their role in the X-Men and even maybe the utility of what the X-Men are doing if what they're doing involves saving the people who they're on a mission to save. Right. Which brings to, I think, probably the big, at least for this issue, sort of the big plot detail, and maybe the most sort of like classical throwback element of this. Mm-hmm. They are, there is a group developing not a cure, but a vaccine. Right. To mutant mutation. That would, within a generation or so, right, stop new mutants from being born and eventually just die out. Yes, yeah. Basically, it suppresses the X gene and prevents it, I think, from being passed on. Yeah, yeah. So that, like you said, within a generation or two, that that everybody will not be mutants again, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and... then. To go, go the other big piece that kind of goes along with this is uh, the senator they're trying to protect is uh, kidnapped. Uh, mm-hmm. that, and that's what Jamie was trying to stop, just, you know, in yep. his inept way. Um, earlier in the issue, Kitty gets kidnapped. Um, yep. And so at the very end of this uh, kind of thread, we see the two of them tied to chairs. And... Uh, Someone starts speaking, and it pans over, and whoever this is that has captured the two of them also has Apocalypse. And not, like, Kid Apocalypse. No, no. Straight up OG OG Apocalypse. Big A on the belt buckle Apocalypse, yes. Um, (laughs) Big A on the belt buckle (laughs) Apocalypse is an appropriately 90s description. (laughs) You like that? I thought you might. Yeah. yeah, so whoever it is, obviously, is clearly incredibly powerful. And yeah. this is this is definitely going to be a mutant-wide, like across the whole mutant stage, 
uh, story, yeah. impacting story. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. they give us this is a, this was kind of interesting how they did the second story because they split it. It's called like the first part is like what tomorrow brings part one, a bishop yeah. story. But then, you know, five pages later, we get the start of part two, which switches over. Maybe it's even it's a little more than that. I guess it's about 10 or 11 pages. It switches over. Part two is Jean Grey. Yeah. And it does this four or five times to get this whole story out. Um, and I can't tell if this is after the first story or before, right before the first story. Were you clear uh, on that? I read this as happening, like, reading, leading up to the main... That's okay. I'll be, that's how I took it, and specifically just because it talks about how um, do, 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 do something about uh, you know super heavy rains, which yeah. was something that that Storm and Beast were looking at in the first in the first story, right? But yeah, so Gene and Storm end up in this cafe and get attacked by all these people who are being controlled by someone, by some sort of psychic somebody. Um, and they talk to, uh, they end up eventually talking to Gene and saying, yeah, I, we didn't mean, I didn't mean to attack you. Um, I was trying to do something, you know, I was trying to stop something else, but you were just too close and I couldn't recognize it was you guys before I started attacking you Yeah, kind of thing, which is interesting. And I have a theory about who that might be, who that person might be. Yeah. Uh, Charles. That was kind of what I thought, too. Because the last time we really saw him, right, was he was, was when he invited them all to that dinner, right? Right. And he said something about, you know, having, I'm sorry I have to do this to prepare you for whatever. Something yeah. like, something to that effect, right? And then the other last piece of this was this older woman that Jean talked to while she was waiting for Storm. And then she's dead at the end, but we see somebody that looks just like her in the shadows, and they turn around, and to me, that's very clearly a certain person, and I wanted to see Yeah, that is one specific character's silhouette, I guarantee. You think it's Mystique? I think it is definitely Mystique. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Uh, The Uh, hair and the, yeah, just the... Even like kind of the shoulders, like she's usually drawn with pretty clearly defined shoulders, because she's... Got that like gymnast thing going on. Yep. Okay. So we're we're in agreement on that. Um yeah. and yeah, but we we get uh, uh what I think is a fantastic setup for a story. Yes. Yeah. There's one other character who's in this who we haven't talked about who I want to mention. Okay. And that is Dark Beast. Oh, yes. Which I don't know that Dark Beast has been around a lot since you got back into comics, but I think he's a Bendis character. I know Bendis used him heavily in his uh, all-new X-Men and Uncanny X-Men run. Um, but he's like a weird alternate future evil science magic beast. Yes. Which was what uh, was a big deal when past Hank started using magic. Yeah, they've been they've introduced him a couple of times in okay. different different books through in the last couple of years. 
Uh, not heavily featured, but like they went after yeah. him at one point. I think during Secret Wars, they went after okay. him at one point. I always like dark. I always like Beast in general. Mm-hmm. So the idea of Dark Beast, like a villain version of Beast, yeah, that is fun to me. I enjoy that. Like, yeah. A lot of what I like about X Men is the ridiculous time dimension hopping stuff, mm-hmm. and that's just like a great take on sort of that X Men theme for me. Agreed. But yeah, I, I'm I'm super excited about this. But if this, uh, you know, if this is why all the other X books kind of wound down to get ready for this. Uh, I'm I'm happy with it. Yeah, and they've started teasing, and it's really just like titles of books and like covers to number ones mm-hmm. they've started teasing like not the event that comes out of this but the sort of like you know how sometimes they'll just take a line of books and give them all like here's a header that everything's flying under while right. in this case it feels like maybe they're playing with reality yes like they've given this banner of this possible future is what it reads like to me for a handful of X-Men miniseries that will then maybe, I would guess, coalesce into the status quo after this and after those play out. All right. Yeah. That's at least how they're talking about it on Twitter. Like, these things together will be what set up the immediate future for the X-Men. Okay. The foreseeable future for the X-Men. I liked it though. I, I, there were some characters that we had, at least I haven't seen in a while that I enjoyed seeing. Uh, North Star, which, I mean, now I think he just mm-hmm. goes by his uh, normal name, what John Paul Bobier, or I uh, mean, I'm I've heard him called North Star more okay. consistently, but he also hasn't been around as much lately. So. Right, right. Uh, Betsy Braddock, right? Yeah, I haven't seen her in a while. That's uh, that was cool. Uh, well, her her return. I don't know if we ever really talked about this. At the end of Hunt for Wolverine, Mystery, and Madripoor, Uh there's this stuff that happens that just doesn't need to be explained for the sake of this conversation. (laughs) And basically, she gets to recreate her original body and drop Ah. her consciousness back into it. Okay. And... uh, the body she had co-opted for the last 30 years worth of comics may still be out there somewhere running around too. I think we may see that before this issue, this uh, run, I guess, is over. Probably. Unstoppable Wasp number two. Ah, man. I just, I, I, I just smile when I read this book. I love it. I do too. Like, and this issue in particular, I wanted to talk about because... You still get like the 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 infectious humor can't not smile while reading it. Yes. But also this goes some mental health places. A little bit. It does, yeah. Um, um both both subtly in like the tight shot of Nadia asleep under a table. Yeah. And because she was raised in the red room and used to sleeping in tight spaces and sleeping in a normal bed is weird for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just in like managing work-life balance and trying to be healthy about that and performing acts of self-care and going to therapy. Like these are the things she is sacrificing to try to be productive. Right. Yeah. And the, 
I love Jeremy Gratz on the, I, there's a whole discussion about <laughs> about a specific chemical uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, on the whole first page and the whole first page is about Nadia waking up right and uh, and and Priya coming in to wake her up <laughs> I do love her I do love the comment uh, nighttime Nadia is morning time Nadia's mortal enemy <laughs> yes <laughs> someday I will face her in battle to the death <laughs> I also really like the related wait a minute you didn't take the time to put on pants but you stuck your phone in your bra <laughs> Anyone who didn't know would never guess that you weren't really Janet's daughter. <laughs> exactly. And, and so uh, and the drug they're talking about uh, on the first page is uh, tri, uh, trimethyl uh, xanthine, which is caffeine. Um, yes. And when she pours it, it's into a mug that says world's greatest, world's best great aunt. And she's like, what's with the coffee cup? She's like, oh, Viv got it for me. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. Because she's yeah. Viv's great aunt. Like And it's a callback to Ant Man and the Wasp. Yes. Yes. It's both of those things. I and love I love it very much. I love it very, this, very this much. This is such a good fucking book. If you're not reading it, you are wrong. Yeah. And then, then you have the whole Bobby Ying thing that happened in this book. I love which was, that. I do too. I love that setup as well. Uh I mean, I, I've liked Bobby for a long time. I think she's an awesome yeah. character. Um, I think she gets to... F- we get to see a different part of her in this than we see a lot of times. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and I like that a lot. <laughs> I love she's, she's like, yeah, I can't beat you guys because I can't, I can't hit kids in the head. <laughs> <laughs> that is the first thing they teach us in the Red Room. Yeah, yeah, Nadia's like, oh, that's the first thing we go for, right? Uh, and then her offer to Nadia is like, hey, uh, you need help with something? Uh, do you want to work on this thing while you beat me up too? <laughs> no. <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah. And we also get the uh, the return of Pound Cakes. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Janet's turn as wrestling promoter. I love I love the theme the theme uh uh shtick that she puts together for them. Yes. The scroll killers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh I, I, I I'm blown away at how much Jeremy managed to fit into this book. So much. Like it was a normal 22 pages and it does so much and covers so much ground. It, it felt like three different stories. I mean, and yeah. I don't mean that in a bad way that it was disjointed. I mean, it felt like three issues somehow all got yeah. put into this. Yeah, like, it, yeah. And it doesn't sacrifice any sort of like time with character or nope. anything like that to do it. Because uh, that's what sells the book is the character stuff. Yeah. I. I want this to just be the top-selling book on every list, every month. It is so good. I love it so much. And at the the very last page, we get the setup that, that Jeremy promised us, which is uh, AIM shows up. Yeah. And, yeah. I can't, I can't wait for the next one. <laughs> All right, real quick before we move on, I did want to say one other thing on Uncanny X-Men, mm-hmm. which is... 
This is not in the print edition, although if you get the print edition and redeem the code mm. for the first issue. Right. The first issue of this book in digital is 289 pages. Oh, 89, 289, yeah. 289 pages. The yep. first issue in digital, and I just love this kind of content, and I did not know it was going to be there. Uh, you get the whole issue. You get the script for the entire issue. Mm-hmm. You get every variant cover yep. in a gallery. You get every page with inks and colors pre-lettering. Right. Which some of you those get, are astounding to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's super cool if you're doing this like on, on a comicsology device that has guided view. Because you can actually turn on guided view there. Mm-hmm. At, which I don't normally use myself. Right. Uh, but like the colors fade in and out and just seeing them pop in without having to swipe back and forth is super cool. That's very cool. Um, and then the covers for this entire 12 issue run are all in here too. And uh, character concept art. Yes. Yeah. There's so, a, there's a crap ton of stuff Yeah. for this. It is yeah. almost 300 pages and... Yeah. I think it is just astounding and would love to see, like, especially number ones of big events start doing that regularly. Because I think that's well, if really you, cool. Yeah, concept. if you redeem that code, you, it, it definitely then justifies its, its hefty price tag the yeah. issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. That is all I wanted to add there. And now we are moving on to Mr. Miracle. Number 12. So, we have all of our answers. Everything makes complete sense. And you say so. I'm glad it does to somebody. <laughs> no more questions about anything. Um, except for the questions that I have about everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brian, go. Um, so the kind of the, the very super early first thing that we were presented with in the first issue, right? Was, mm-hmm. you know, Scott free suicide trying to kill yeah. himself. And do we know if that was real or not, Alex? I mean, what is reality, but our own perceptions. <laughs> and if our perceptions are satisfying and we make the choice to live in our own reality and take control of our own reality and live a happy life, does it matter if that's really real or not? And in congratulations in, in an existence in an existence in which reality is constantly in flux and rebooted and changed and the very details of your own life are malleable and your own history are malleable in ways that you may or may not, especially if you aren't Donna Troy pre-flashpoint, recognize does it really make more sense to willingly choose that when you could choose a steady, stable, and happy life? Congratulations, Alex. You have solved Tom King's Mr. Miracle Puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, yeah, that's, that's where this ends up, is uh, he is told by some characters, you know, he's told by one character. Uh, you yeah, died in her in hell. You died and you're in hell, and you found a way to escape and chose not to. And then he's told two pages later, you died and went to heaven, found a way to escape and chose not to. Right? And the whole point of that is, from one character's perspective, what he has chosen, what he's doing is hell. From another one, it's heaven. 
right? Yeah. Uh, and maybe and... he was strong enough, and maybe he wasn't. And maybe staying is weakness, and maybe going is weakness. Right. But, yeah, it's, uh, wow, it is it is thought-provoking. I, this is another one, and true to life, Tom King, I, I, I think I will have to reread this and the whole thing together. Yes, preferably to get... when it comes out with a hardcover. Yes, indeed. Hard for Mr. Um, Miracle. Hard for Mr. Miracle. Hashtag. <laughs> Hashtag hard for Miracle, yes. Um, I do love <laughs> Barta, has, Barta has to do a fight <laughs> with uh, um, God, who is it? Uh, uh, uh not Faustus, Jesus, no, um, uh, Steppenwolf. There you go, Steppenwolf. Uh, and so it's she's like, Okay, I've got to get back home, we've got an appointment I've got to go to, and he's like, All right, then come on, God, Kildren, and she's just like. And- Boom, like one punch. Batman, like <laughs> Batman with Guy Gardner. Yes, it is, man. It was beautiful. Uh, it was uh, truly wonderful. And uh, what was the appointment they had to go back for, Alex? Uh, they're having a baby. Another baby. A yeah. little girl. I'm so excited. <laughs> I love it. Uh. And she talks about how she has, she, she has to call the Valkyries or they're going to be pissed if she doesn't tell them, right? The Furious. I'm sorry, that's in the Valkyrie. Yeah, yeah. Furies. Um, and then I love they get home, and she's like, "Yeah, we're at, we're out of wieners. You got to go get some. You got to go get some hot dogs. We don't have any hot dogs." So he goes to the store, <laughs> and what is the, what does the clerk say to him? Do you remember? No fruit tray today. No veggie tray today. <laughs> no veggie tray. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was like, yes, the veggie tray. Did you see, well, you, you, you haven't been on Twitter in a while. So a few weeks ago, Tom King posted on Twitter that was there some sort of open house at his kid's school, uh-huh. and there was a sign-up sheet to bring snacks. Oh, shit. Do you know what he brought? Tell me it was a veggie tray. It was a veggie tray. <laughs> <laughs> I, if I was the teacher... Like, uh, of course, it would be me, right? If I were the teacher, though, when, like, when that happened, like, the whole thing, my whole whiteboard would just be completely clear, and it would Uh just say, Dark Side is, on the the whiteboard, right? When he walked in. I also like how this issue, at this point, they're just using Dark Side is as shit happens. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, because there's one point where it's, uh, I think it's Barda that he says something about Dark Side is, and he's like, yeah, but we are, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we can. He's not the only thing that has control over our reality and and circumstances. We have control over our own reality and circumstances, right. also. Yeah. And that's the whole point. It like is. He can choose what reality is for himself. Yeah. I liked it. I did too. Yeah. Wonder Woman number fifty-eight. Or please let Steve be dead for real this time. <laughs> well, not all of him's dead. We know at least that. His body at least is alive. Is it? Yeah. That was his body at the end. Did you not catch that? When no. the helmet comes off? No, I missed that. That At least that I took that just... as his as his Yeah. I so, did not. Uh we'll definitely call some uh, spoilers for yeah. this. Um We're just gonna tease spoilers for now. Yes, yeah, so the beginning of the issue, uh, Steve has to leave to go on a mission. 
Uh, so he gets up and you know does that. That's great, whatever. Um, and then it's we we get a switch to um, the cave, the prison cave where Grail and Ares are. Yes. Um, and Ares comes to a re- realization about immortality and legacy and kind of all this stuff, and essentially baits Grail into killing him, which sets him free. Yes, just um, like in Mr. Miracle. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and then Steve, in the meantime, on this mission that he has gone on, ends up getting kidnapped. So he, so of course Diana goes to the locate to the place, and at as the a very quick end, aside, I just realized that I did have two pages stick together. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. So that actually explains some things. Um. Yeah, that, w- that was kind of an important piece of the uh, story there, Alex. So there is this person that has been inciting this conflict in this area or whatever, this new warlord. And they're like, oh, you can't fight him. He kills everybody. And so Diana goes. And, of course, it's Ares. Uh, you know, you see the big glowing eyes and the big helmet and everything else. And he takes the helmet off. And it's Steve Trevor, at least his body. Yes. And, yeah. Hence the reason I was saying. At least his body's alive, but it's yeah. definitely Ares' personality, so who knows what, uh, how that's going to work out. He does introduce himself as, I'm Ares. Yes, it is Ares, yeah. yes. So, hmm. Guess we'll yeah. find out what happens there. I'd be just fine if uh, Ares kept that body and Steve was just gone forever. That'd be great. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I'll tell you what, if I had to choose between keeping Scott Summers alive I was and gonna Trevor say, alive, I was just going to ask you that question. Scott Summers or Steve, Ru- or Steve uh, Trevor? What do you think the answer is, Brian? Oh my god, I think you hang keep on, Scott Summers alive. Hang on, hang on, I will... I will oh, oh, go ahead. I think you, you keep just Scott Summers alive. You are right. <laughs> In the Sophie's choice of whether I let Scott or Steve live... Scott lives. There you go. <laughs> um, grats to a great first issue, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and it, you know what it kind of reminded me of, and I'm not up to date right now because I'm not up to date on anything right now because of what my rehearsal schedule was. I'm working on catching up. Uh-huh. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of like the first couple of episodes of the new Doctor Who. Oh, I haven't, I haven't seen any of the oh. new Doctor Who. Well. In in as and this is not a spoiler to say. Yeah. Uh, I think both this and those first couple of episodes do a really solid job of saying this is the thing you know and recognize. Right. While also bringing a different energy in. Yeah. There's definitely a different feel to the tone yeah. of this book. Yeah. Which I, which is fantastic. Yeah. But it still has all those recognizable rebirth Wonder Woman pieces. G. Willow Wilson is so good. I am looking forward to more of this. Me too. Brian. Yes, sir. You read Dr. Horrible Best Friends Forever, which is a one-shot. Yeah, this is uh, Joss Whedon did the script, and then uh, a couple of different people did art. uh, Jose Maria uh, Baroy and Sarah Solar. And this is just very much a fun single-issue story that takes place after the sing-along blog. Cool. Yeah, and at the beginning of this, they are 
Captain Hammer and Doctor Horrible are best friends and they're hanging out together and uh, solving crime, you know, stopping bad things from happening and it's uh, pretty wonderful. And then somebody shows up and they have to fight off some things and we get some character moment with with a mind manifested penny kind of, you know, sort of a dream. A penny for your thoughts. Yeah, exactly. It's wonderful. Uh, and then at the end, we find out why Captain Hammer and Dr. Horrible are best friends. And uh, then that is also resolved. And it was just, uh, it was a fun one-shot story. That's exactly what it was. Cool. I enjoyed it. You know what <laughs> seems strange to me? Just not What's having it? read it. The idea of anything that is Dr. Horrible, but not a musical. No, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. I do it's like... It's not a criticism, because no, I, I, I haven't you. read it, but... Yeah. Um, I do like... There's there's one of the weapons that he is has been working on, you know, tinkering with or whatever, is the Deep Procrastinator. But he hasn't <laughs> finished it yet, because he keeps putting it off. <laughs> that's wonderful. <laughs> yes. I like that. I did like that. That was That was pretty clever. Uh, and there's, there's, you know, there's one or two things that seem a little forced or whatever, but then there's others that are, that are really good jokes that work that, that reminded me very much of the Dr. Horrible style. Awesome. So, yeah. Like I said, it was just fun. All right. I have a pair of things I want to talk about briefly, and I will probably keep them brief since I'm the only one who read them. Euthanauts number four. Uh, I have not, I actually got a little behind on Euthanauts and caught up this week reading three and four. This is such a good book, and when this trade comes out, Brian, you will have to read it. Oh, I've got the single issues. I'm just three issues behind, I think. Okay. Yeah. This might be, and man, it's a loaded field, but this might be the best-looking comic of this year. Especially uh, if you only look at new comics. Yeah. Just looking through it is is beautiful, I will say that. I mean, Nick Robles, who, who is... The artist and Eva de la Cruz, who is the colorist, like it is just stunning and rich, and it's like light glows off the page, which I'm always a sucker for. It's just so so beautiful, and the story is fun and imaginative and totally different itself, but it's just so so good the whole thing, and I really strongly recommend tracking down issues if you haven't read it yet. Uh, I know Teeny Howard has tweeted about right right now it is set for five issues and that may be all that it gets just because of where sales are at. So do that or grab the trade um, because I desperately want more of this. And God. yeah, I'm looking at it now and the colors in this are just yeah. you're right. Like there's in issue three, I believe it was a scene where. Someone is having basically a drug trip at a Cirque du Soleil style circus carnival type act. And it is just one of the most like creepy, but also beautiful pages. Anytime they're in the, the afterlife, it is just gorgeous and glowing and a little terrifying sometimes. Yeah, that, that could very easily be like a Grant Morrison Doom Patrol style. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this definitely, and maybe this shouldn't be too surprising because I think this is the this is the imprint that Shelley Bond runs for mm-hmm. IDW, uh, Black Crown. 
But this feels like it could be classic Vertigo. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah. Um, anyway, grab the single issues, or when the trade comes out, get the trade. There's one issue left before that, as far as I know. And, yeah, it's it's... There is nothing else like it coming out right now. Very cool. I will probably, I read the first one, like I said, and then haven't read. I'll probably wait for five to come out and then just read the whole thing. Yeah. As a, as a um, trade. Yeah. Teeny Howard tweeted this week that she was super nervous about this issue coming out because of something that happens. And I think I know what that is, and I'm not going to say. But it was so good, and in the unlikely event that Teeny Howard is listening to this, there was no need to be nervous. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to talk about briefly is Bitterroot number one, which is the creative team from Power Man and Iron Fist, David Walker and Sanford Green, with Chuck Brown also, I believe, co-writing. Green and Rico Renzi, color, Clayton Cowell's letters. This is a really fun book and i think funnier than what i expected it to be which shouldn't be surprising given power man and iron fist but i think i expected this to be a little darker and weirder and it has its dark weird moments but it also is very funny it is about this family in harlem that deals with monster attacks and sort of uh okay we are definitely in a world i do not know well and I recognize these words have meanings and I may not be using them correctly, but like voodoo influence. Okay. Um, and if anyone is listening and says, oh, you got that wrong, please correct me. I will correct it on the show if you will just tweet at me or DM me about it. But, but, um, but you, that kind of Caribbean island... Uh, that, kind of, that kind of magic. Right. That yeah. kind of of-the-earth... Mixing roots, uh, passed down through family magic. Yep. I mean, there are definitely some design elements that, like, if this were set in New Orleans, those elements would also not feel out of place. Right. I do not necessarily have the vocabulary to describe that accurately, but Fair that is that is very much, I think, where where this book sort of sits in terms of aesthetic. It also does some fun things. One of the uh, the main family that this follows, like, a bunch of its members have died out, so they're super careful about who actually goes in and does magic, and who or fights monsters, and who stays at home and works on potions. And those lines get drawn in response to one of the people who did get killed, get drawn and very, well, the men go fight, and the women stay home, and the men are the muscle, and the women are the brains kind of ways. And, and the, the daughter in this uh uh or granddaughter in this like she wants to be one of the ones out fighting she doesn't want to sit around mixing potions and also you get to see members of the kkk just totally viciously murdered and that makes me very happy so there's definitely sort of a uh a generational change story yeah element there's some a piece of this there are some generational elements there are some social elements none of it really beats you over the head right at all like it's not it is a funny magical book that grounds itself in issues not you know a book that is about this one thing solely 
um, which admittedly is also probably something I'd be into. But if you are, if you want something a little less heavy handed, this I think has a very deft touch. Uh, and it just looks so good. I love the art and colors in this. So yeah, bitter root. Uh, this is something I've actually been looking forward to for a while, and it did not disappoint at all. There is some back matter too. Uh, that honestly, I was reading in a hurry and read like thirty books today because I wanted to get caught up on everything we were talking about today, uh, and I have not read it yet. But it does get into. Uh, there's an essay in the back called Deep Roots, Rich Soil, Race, Horror, and the Ethnographic. Uh, there's an excerpt from t- from Beloved by Toni Morrison in here. So there's definitely some like deeper content too. But yeah, I think it's I think it's really great. I am in the process of cutting, but it's probably going to go on my list anyway. I can sacrifice a Batman book somewhere if I need to. <laughs> okay. There are 8,000 of them. One of them can go. All right. Is it still good? Is Brian, it still good? Uh, Catwoman number five. Is oh, it still good? Uh, Catwoman number five. Selena uses a memory of Batman to help her. Selena uses a memory of Bruce to help her wake up and take the upper hand in the situation she finds herself in. What's that? Detective Comics 992, Brian. Batman and Two-Face kick some ass. The Flash, number 58. Barry and Iris really bring down the house. Hawkman, number 6, Brian. Uh, Hawkman and Adam further further Carter's investigation of his past. Plastic Man, number 6. Eel gets inside of the villain's head. Supergirl number 24. I don't know. Crypto's a good good boy. There you go. The end. I like it. Superman number 5. Superman finds the most unlikely of allies when Zod sends himself into the Phantom Zone because he had a vision of a wedding between the House of Zod and the House of El. Oh, shit. <laughs> this book goes some places. Rainbow Bright number two. Oh, I meant to talk about this one. Oops. Uh, Rainbow Bright number two. Wisp gears up. All right. And as a quick aside, uh, this was one of like four books Jeremy had come out this week. Mm-hmm. There's also more Princeless and more Raven the Pirate Princess. So go check those things out too. Uh, this is the beginning of year seven of Princeless and the last issue of year two of Raven, I believe. I have read, I haven't read preview copy yet for those two, but I've read everything, or review copy, but I've read everything of Princeless so far and I'm very excited to get into more of it and to get caught up on Raven. Uh, but don't be like me. Read them now. Amazing Spider-Man number nine. Peter Parker continues his tour of teaming up with villains in what I am assuming is ongoing setup to his inevitable leading the Sinister Six. Captain America number five. Steve Rogers can't catch a fucking break. Cosmic Ghost Rider number five. Time is a flat circle, and in this case, a closed loop. Domino number eight, Brian. Um, Nina 
Nina opens a box to find an to find an ally and uh, what's in the box, to, Brian? What's they, in the box? They turn out to be a real pain in the neck. Ah, ah, ah. And if you don't get that joke, just look at the cover. Yes. Uh, Exiles number ten. I told you that Khan would be a problem for them again in the future. <laughs> Infinity Warps number one. All I really need to say is Moon Girl, Squirrel Girl mashup, Moon Squirrel. Squirrel. Moon Squirrel. With a tippy toe. Uh, devil. Devil dinosaur. Devil dinosaur pet. Devil tippy toe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Afra number 26. Afra and Triple Zero make uncomfortable traveling companions. Venom number eight. Eddie, that's his name. <laughs> Appropriately, Alex forgets the name of Eddie, the second best Venom host. Uh, Eddie works through his inferiority complex about being the second best Venom host by absorbing a part of Flash Thompson's memories and personality. Oh, well, there you go. Okay, we have a new segment this week. As we explained last week, we are putting Longbox Book Report on hiatus. So now, to introduce us, next week's books to read, they're next week's books to read. And you found a way to sing it. I'm so happy about it. I did. Same tune. Can recycle the jingle and everything. So, uh, how many do you have, Brian? Uh, I've just got three that I'm going to mention. But, I also uh, have three. I think three is the goal. You go first. Uh, well, my first one is, um, uh, is Spider-Geddon number four is next week. And I am really digging the Spider-Geddon stuff. Um, and let me just hold real quick. When we say sure. next week, we mean Wednesday, November yeah. 21st. So 21st like two days or so after this comes, or a day after, or two days after this yeah. comes out. Yes. Um, yeah. so, Wednesday, yeah. November 21st. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, the Spider Geddon number four. Uh, like I said, I've really been enjoying the Spider Geddon event. So uh, I can't wait to get a little bit more of it. My first one is Middle West, which is a new image series from Scotty Young uh, that has this like fantasy, not western, but like midwestern kind of uh, feel. Um, it's about this kid who's, like, kind of middle of nowhere, flyover states, and weird magical shit starts happening. Scotty Young is writing, Jorge Corona is drawing, and if you look at art and covers for this, it's just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, so I am super, super interested in this. What do you have next, Brian? Uh, my next one is uh, Black Hammer Age of Doom number seven. Um, so uh, a couple issues ago, we kind of found out what was really going on, what really happened with uh, uh, everybody in that whole situation. And now we're kind of deconstructing what led up to some of this and, and or where they some of them are kind of at after this kind of exploded on them. Yeah. And, uh, like, I, I think it's, it's, I, I love this whole universe and the main, this is the main story. So I'm, I want more now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I've got American Carnage number one, which is a new vertigo title, uh, from Brian Hill. 
whose stuff I've really been digging lately. But that also has some really interesting research behind it. He, like, managed to sit down and talk to and do research with members of white supremacist groups. Uh, as I understand it, which is that this is about an FBI agent who goes undercover into into those groups, uh, or one of those groups, and it's like the idea of the idea of just I don't know a person of color putting himself on the line of doing that kind of research makes this something that clearly you know clearly it's important to him, uh, but makes it something more interesting than than. It might have been otherwise to me. So I am definitely going to be checking that out. What's your third one? My last one is, this is probably the one I am most looking forward to. Uh, So coming out of the Witching Hour story, which I absolutely loved, uh, we get Justice League Dark number five. uh, And this, uh, like I said, this is going to deal with some of the fallout from Witching Hour as well as... Uh, the team is kind of kind of needs to take refuge for some from the the magical folk of the DC universe after that, and uh, they take a trip to uh, Mira, which is the magical land that Detective Chimp inherited with the sword. Super, super. This this is one of the books I'm most looking forward to right now. Yeah. Like it, Witching Hour was so good. Uh, I I really am hoping to see that they keep up that quality of story. Agreed. Yeah. All right. My last one is Shuri number two. If you watched Black Panther and loved Shuri, read this comic. I think her take in that movie was typically, it was very different than how she's typically portrayed in the comics. And this series moves her without just jettisoning history moves her toward a version of that character that is much closer to the one in the film, who's this, you know, constantly curious scientist type, Mm -hmm. and who has way more of a sense of humor. And I really, really dug the first issue and look forward to the second one a lot. Yeah, and if you miss the first issue, they're doing a second printing that comes out Wednesday also. That's right. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it. If there are things you are looking forward to and want to tweet at us about, we will, uh, uh, be watching the, the Twitters. Watching the Twitters. (laughs) Watching the Twitters. That's me, Old Man Alex. I am the next- watching them Twitters. I am the next character to get the Old Man treatment from a comics publisher. (laughs) Old Man Alex. Uh, or as you might also call him, Alex in the fourth grade. <laughs> Benjamin right. buttoning it here. Anyway, uh, tweet at us. Let us know what you're interested in, and who knows? Maybe we'll start Twitter conversations about it. We'll probably start Twitter conversations about it. Uh, engage with us on social media. Yeah. All right, that will do it. That's it for me. Yep. We would like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. We are available on your podcatching platform of choice. You can visit us at our website, panelologypodcast.com, if you want to listen or if you want to submit questions. 
Uh, or if you want to get to like older episodes that don't show up on iTunes anymore. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but only our last hundred actually carry over to iTunes. If you want to get into that archive, maybe you uh, really, really dig the episode in which we make 6,000 variations on I Bless the Rains Down in Africa and want to listen again, you can go to our website to do so. I guess it takes all kinds. If you would like to support us, you can do so by sharing us with friends or by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. And if you are feeling monetarily generous, you can support us at patreon.com slash panelology. Jenna and I also have another podcast with occasional guest hosts, Tim and Meg, called Minds at Yerk, in which we talk about Animorphs books. And we are 11, 12 books in at this point, counting the first Megamorphs. And things are getting wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, and strange. Uh, and also, in like six books, Brian has to read one. Don't think we've forgotten. Yeah, I know you haven't. And that Looking will be, that will be the, the part two of the uh, Minds at Yurt Phenology crossover. Yes. Uh, it is so close. It is a mere three months away. Okay. That is it. I am Alex. And I am Brian. Good night and good luck. Go read comics.